0: drew timmy's draft stock is rising after a solid performance in the nba combine scrimmages but julian strother's absence from said scrimmages raises more questions than answers let's discuss it all right here on the locked on zags podcast don't go away you are locked on zags your daily podcast on the gonzaga bulldogs part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates through another offseason of Gonzaga Athletics. Happy Friday, everybody. We are closing out the week celebrating the great Rui Hatramira and his NBA playoff success. Another 20 point game, a perfect first half for Rui against the Denver Nuggets. Before we get to that, though, we are going to continue to talk about the NBA draft combine as it wraps up. Today on Friday, we saw Drew Timmy in a couple of scrimmages, what his performance looked like. We also did not see Julian Strother. Does that mean he has a first round guarantee? Does that mean. That he's coming back to school? Does it mean he's injured? All sorts of different things. We'll talk about that in the second segment, but we lead talking about the big fella who participated in two NBA combine scrimmages, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday was participating in some of the interviews as well, did a lot in my mind to help boost his draft stock. Uh, you wouldn't have known that after the first game, his first game, the box score results certainly don't paint a particularly pretty picture for Mr. Timmy. He played about 18 minutes in that game. And again, they the players all play around 18 to 20 minutes per game because they try to get as many guys in for the same amount of run as possible because otherwise it's not particularly fair if you go to the combine and get an invite and don't get a chance to showcase what you're capable of doing. That's by your choice. Of course, players can choose to opt out of the scrimmages, which again, we'll talk about momentarily. But for Drew, he decided to play first game, 18 minutes, six points, three rebounds, one assist. He had three fouls and two turnovers. He shot three of seven from the field. So it's not awful. It's not like he was 3 of 11, 3 of 15, anything like that. Uh, of course, he's going from being the guy who gets 12 to 15 shots a game like he did at Gonzaga for the last four years to a guy who's not necessarily going to get that even in a combine situation and certainly not at the NBA level. So 3 of 7, you can tolerate that. It's not awful. Oh, of 1 from deep again. You want to see him knock down the outside shots, and we'll talk more about that. But not, not a horrendous game. Two turnovers to one assist is not great, but again negligible differences there Uh, and then he made a he made big strides in game two game two happened on Thursday afternoon the great Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review did a thread on Twitter of every single one of Drew Timmy's Buckets so if you want to watch them all keep this tab open open a new tab check out Theo's Twitter account where you can see a video of all of Drew Timmy's buckets. Some of them are the most vintage Drew Timmy buckets that you could imagine, but he had a whole bunch of them in that second game, 21 minutes for Drew in that one, 17.7 rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block That is the Drew-Timmy line we are used to seeing. You'd like to see a little bit more distribution, a little bit more passing from Drew-Timmy, but one assist, uh, yeah, it's not horrible. Obviously, we know that that facilitating is more of a skill set that he developed over the last year, and you'd like to think that that's something that could translate. At the NBA level, I don't think a, a couple of scrimmage games where he didn't pass the ball particularly well is all of that noteworthy or concerning in any way. Again, seeing the assist, the steal, the block, seven rebounds for him. He also had three fouls and two turnovers in this game. Much more efficient, eight of 14 from the field. Now the negatives here, he was O of two from deep, which means in two scrimmage games, about 40 total minutes, he took three three-pointers, did not knock any of them down. He shot way better during the NBA draft, uh, during, excuse me, during the shooting portion of the, of the combine. he shot. I think he made about 48% of his threes during that stretch. Again, those are uh, not... Game situation threes, you'd like to see him knock them down in game. He also went one of three from the free throw line in this game. That is a literally minuscule sample size. But again, even two of three would have looked a little bit better, but one of three, not so great for him. Those are the things that he needs to work on. It's not a secret. It's not something the NBA scouts are hiding from him in any capacity. It is well well within his knowledge base to know that the outside shooting, the ability to stretch the floor, the ability to convert from the free throw line are going to be big parts of his chances of playing legitimate minutes in the NBA. A couple of highlights for him. He put Oscar Sheebway in a spin cycle in the first game, just spun all the way around him and got to the basket with ease. Uh, he got out in transition in game two for an easy bucket. This is a really fun highlight to watch as the ball comes off the rim and Drew Timmy just goes and goes. He beats eight different guys down the floor gets a bounce pass and converts in transition for an easy lay in. I don't know how many times drew team is going to beat a bunch of NBA players down the floor when he does make the actual NBA, but the fact that he did it in this setting is definitely an indication that he's got a little bit more juice, a little bit more athleticism and, and a heck of a motor on him to get out and transition and score on that bucket. I think, um, Having not watched every second of every single scrimmage, I can't guarantee you what uh, I would think, but that's a highlight. That's a play that I think a lot of scouts probably took something pretty positive out of seeing him beat guys down the floor and get a bucket that way. He also had a nice drive to the hoop on an inbounds pass. He caught Azulis Tubellis, went for the steal. Uh, Drew Timmy turned and drove to the basket easily and threw down a dunk. Nice to see him be able to put the ball on the deck and get to the basket when he needs to as well. So for Drew, what does this all mean? Well, I've been I've continued to maintain that he is should be a second round pick. I have not always believed that he will be a second round pick. Most of the mock drafts you see out there tend to slot him in in the last 5 spots of the NBA draft. Sometimes I think that's just because he is such a big name that people think that it would be weird to not have him on their mock draft. Sometimes I think that's how NBA scouts uh, not necessarily think exactly, but I think that his production in college merits a draft selection, and that could be enough for him to get picked. But what he's done lately has proven that he has more of an NBA game, more NBA skill sets than I think he's been getting credit for. And he didn't show all of them here. He didn't show the outside shooting here. He didn't show improvement at the free throw line necessarily. He didn't necessarily show some of the facilitating that you would like to see from him, but it's hard to do that in these condensed 20-minute per game per player situations where every single player is trying to make a name for themselves. It's not conducive to... The kind of environment where you're going to be showcasing a lot of passing and those kind of skills you're trying to get buckets you're trying to show what you can do to help an offensive team or to help a team at the next level and so it's the the assist numbers in particular, not overly concerning to me, Uh, but he's still 22 years old. He's shown that he has more skills than the low post scoring. He showed he can beat guys out in transition. He scored. He showed that he can score from the three point line by pump faking and driving to the basket. He showed like he showed different skills that he has. That means he's not just a guy that you have to, you know, put down right next to the basket. He clogs up the lane, both on offense and defense and doesn't really allow you to space the floor and do the things that most NBA teams like to do. He's not that guy. He's had that perception. It's followed him around since his sophomore year of college, maybe even since his freshman year of college. And while he's not, you know, he's not as athletic as some of the bigs that are going to go in the first round, he's not Jarvis Walker, he's not even Trace Jackson Davis, but he's a guy who can very clearly help your NBA team. By being a guy who you can get the ball to away from the rim, you can run the offense through him if you want to. He can turn and face, he can make the good decisions with the basketball. He can put it on the deck. There are still questions about what he brings defensively. And it's hard to tease a lot of strong results from Drew Timmy's 40 plus minutes into combine scrimmages and say that this means this about his defense. Like that, that's just kind of difficult to to really tease out and and kind of gain a lot of of insight from. I'm sure that his, his measurements, his wingspan was definitely beneficial. His lane agility scores were pretty high. Those are the kind of things that I think are really going to help. I think scouts are going to try to evaluate him based more on some of the perceived athletic things that he's capable of doing and less how he actually performed in these scrimmages. Now, his defense at Gonzaga was not great, although I think sometimes that teams aren't going to take that as seriously because Gonzaga's defense as a team was not very good. Uh, I think that that's somewhat true with Julian Strother as well, but make no mistake, nobody's drafting Drew Timmy expecting him to become a rim protector or even a good NBA defensive player. I really don't think that that's the expectation for him, but I think there are enough scouts out there who have seen what he can bring offensively to think, Hey, he's, He's probably not going to kill us on that end of the floor. He can get us some buckets down low. He could be a, a fine third center or even a backup center in a pinch if we needed him to be. And I really do believe that that more scouts and more general managers uh, are starting to see that about him. And, and I hope that this performance in the second game of the combine here in particular really showcased some of those skills and put him in a position where if you are drafting in the back half of the second round, 45 plus, and you are in need of some size, some front court help, that he's the kind of guy you go after and get in that situation. Well, Julian Strother did not participate in the Combine scrimmage. Is he hurt? Does he have a first-round guarantee, which is the reason a lot of guys don't participate in the Combine? Or is he just coming back to school? More coming up on all of those options after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. Look, guys, I just got my first pair of Bird Dogs very recently, and I absolutely Love these as we move into the summer here in the Pacific Northwest. It's been summer weather for a couple of weeks, and it's short season. I just got a couple pairs, and I I usually don't really care about the shorts. I wear a lot of basketball shorts, or if I'm wearing golf shorts, I'm wearing them out in public, things like that. But I actually look forward to the days where I get to wear these bird dogs because I love the way they fit and they feel great when I'm wearing them. The stretchy fabric is so comfortable; it's much more comfortable than any of my other shorts or pants. And I also love it because they work in all sorts of environments. I can wear them out on a date. I can wear them to the golf course. I can wear them around the house. I can wear them to the swimming pool if I want to. And they're super practical. It gets so hot in this room when I'm recording. I often record two to three podcasts at a time. And having the shorts on, the stretchy fabric, the material, and a comfortable liner inside, it keeps me a little bit cooler so I can focus more on the show while I am here for a couple hours at a time. If you want to feel the same way, go to birddogs.com slash college, And when you enter the promo code college, they will throw in a Free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. Bird Dogs, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, folks. Segment two. Still any patents? Still locked on zags? And we, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day for those of you who are checking us out on youtube uh, just a reminder we got more nba combine results more draft prep for Drew timmy and julian strother coming up in the future weeks we're also going to continue to talk about some players the zags could add in the transfer portal as that continues to be a big part of what's going on in college basketball we're also got a couple of interviews lined up for the end of next week that you are not going to want to miss so definitely stay tuned here uh, on locked on zags for you everyday listeners All right, so Julian Strother did not participate in these scrimmages. And I want to be clear, neither did a whole bunch of guys. A whole bunch of players opted out of the scrimmages. This is not uncommon. It happens pretty much every year. The players who did participate in the scrimmages these last few days were mostly guys who are second-round pick, potential undrafted free agents, guys like Drew Timmy guys like Azula's Tubelis from Arizona, guys like Oscar Shibway from Kentucky, who's kind of in that second round undrafted territory. And a lot of guys who might end up returning back to school, guys who are kind of in that mix, Jordan Walsh from Arkansas, Omax Prosper from Marquette was there, Jonai Broom from Auburn, a former Gonzaga target. There are a lot of guys who probably aren't going to get drafted or who are going to get drafted in that second round. You didn't see Jairus Walker from Houston you didn't see Cam Whitmore from Villanova you didn't see Grady Dick from Kansas guys like that all opted not to participate does that mean that Julian Strother is that confident or has received that kind of guarantee from a team or multiple teams hey if you're available in the late first round we're going to take you hey if you're available at our pick at 35 we're going to take you because that's that tends to be why Players opt out. And I, I, I. why would Cam Whitmore play in this? We'll use him as an example. Villanova guy, expected to be a top 10 pick everywhere, expected to be a top five pick by many people, uh, had some injury issues during the regular season. Why play in this scrimmage and do nothing to really help your draft stock and only really hurt it? I get that. I understand why fans don't like it. I understand why we want to see more people participate in the combine. It is more fun of an event and is more beneficial for somebody like Drew Timmy to get to compete against guys who are like, I'd like to see Drew Timmy compete against Jairus Walker, you know, or Derek White or sorry, Derek Lively from Duke. Like I want to see him play those guys and we don't get to see that, but I don't, I get why those players don't opt to do that. Like it makes sense if you don't feel like you have the ability to really help your stock. Now with Strother, I'm not sure. I buy that. And again, I'm not in his head. I don't know what the situation is, what's going on there. But look at what Andrew Nembhard did last year. And Julian Strother and Andrew Nembhard are in different spots right now than they, than, you know, they're not in the same spot. Andrew Nembhard was, was really not, he's more like where Drew Timmy is right now. Nemhard was not really projected to be drafted by a lot of outlets at this time last year. He was showing up occasionally. I feel like Drew, I just saw a report that Drew Timmy was listed as the 75th best draft prospect. There's 58 players selected in the draft. That's kind of where Nembhard was, like in the 60s, maybe even the 70s. He ends up performing well at the NBA draft combine, goes all the way up to getting drafted 31st, and the rest is history. It should have been an all-rookie second-team performer, fantastic rookie season for the Indiana Pacers. Julian Strother is probably more confident in the fact that he's going to get drafted right now, even without participating in the combine. And he should be. Many mock drafts still have him in the first round. Some mock drafts have him in the early second round. Latest you see him showing up is in like the 45-50 range, which is still, of course, getting drafted. Perhaps that's all this is. Perhaps he just felt like, you know what, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm going to get drafted. Uh, Enough teams, enough scouts have told me that. I've had enough positive workouts with other teams that I feel confident in where I'm at and I don't need to go into the scrimmage and potentially hurt myself or potentially perform poorly uh, and hurt my draft stock. That's probably the most likely scenario here. The other scenario is that he's maybe dealing with some kind of injury, and I'm I'm completely speculating. I want to make that very clear, but some of his testing numbers at the Combine were worse than he did last year, and in particular, his shuttle run was the worst of anybody who participated in that event at the Combine. He was 19th out of 19th, and he was like a full tenth of a second behind the person who finished 18th. I don't think Julian Strather is far and away the worst athlete from a shuttle run perspective of those 19 guys. Maybe I'm wrong, but I wonder if maybe he's not at 100%. It doesn't take much. 85% of what you're capable of doing would put you in last place around a bunch of elite athletes. And if he's not quite at 100%, why risk it? Why go do? Because if you go out there and you turn your ankle and you sprain it or you break it or you have, you know, maybe it's a calf injury, ACL and whatever it may be, you do anything that's going to jeopardize your ability to be ready for the start of the NBA season, you might not get drafted. Like that might be enough for teams to be like, hey, we're just, it's not worth it. We'll just pick you up as an undrafted free agent. We'll get you on a two-way contract. We'll let you heal that way. And that's not what Julian Strother wants. That's not what he he wants to get drafted. He wants to be one of those players. he wants to get drafted in the first round, get that guaranteed money. I don't blame him. Why wouldn't you want that? So for me, I do wonder if that's potentially a factor here. If He's just decided, hey, I, I'm a little banged up. I'm a little sore. I, I got you know my ankles bothering me. My knee's bothering me. Whatever it may be, I'm just going to sit these out, hope that I've done enough in the workouts, hope that my body of work in college is enough that I'm still going to get drafted in the first 45 players selected, still get myself a guaranteed contract or at least a roster spot as a second round pick and be ready to kind of prove myself that way. And I can't say I would blame him if that was a situation. But again, I don't know. I don't know that there's an injury here. It's just something that, that might help explain some of the decision-making that has happened with Julian Strother uh, during this combine process. He also did not participate last year, but of course, he returned to school. In theory, he could do that again. He is not out of eligibility as far as I understand it. He has not hired an agent that would prevent him from returning to school. There has been no indication that he plans to return to Gonzaga. He did not make it seem like he was really planning to, to come back to Gonzaga. It hasn't really been a talking point for him. So I'm not expecting that. I think that the odds of him returning to Gonzaga have maybe increased a tiny, tiny bit, but I don't expect it. But you never know. You never know 100% unless he has hired an agent that is no longer that makes him no longer eligible to return to school, which if that happened, I missed that notification then he could, in theory, come back to Gonzaga. Gonzaga would welcome him back. Steel Ventures would slide into an off-ball or would slide into a bench roll or maybe start at the two with Nolan Hickman sliding into a bench roll. Not exactly sure where they would fit that together. It would be bummer news uh, for the new guys, Alex Tui and Yo, the South Korean. But it would be fantastic news for the Zags. Ryan Nemhard, Nolan Hickman, Julian Strother, Anton Watson, if he comes back, Graham Ek in the front court, Ben Gregg coming off the bench. Oh, boy, that would be a really good team. I'm not expecting it. I think Julian Strather is safe and secure in the NBA draft. I think he feels confident in his spot in the NBA draft. He did not feel like going to the combine scrimmages would help improve his draft stock for whatever reason, perhaps because he feels it's as high as it's going to get, or he feels it's in a spot that he's comfortable with, perhaps because he was dealing with a little bit of an injury Who knows the exact situation there? I don't want to read too much into this. Of course, we have been talking about it for the last 10 minutes, but it is something that I'm going to continue to monitor with Strother because I think he deserves to be one of the first 45 players selected in the NBA draft, and I hope that the reason he chose not to participate in this event is because he feels confident that that will be the case for him when that draft rolls around in June. Well, Rui Hachemira had another 20-point game in the NBA playoffs, including a perfect first half. More on his dominant run with the Los Angeles Lakers this season coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton's still locked on Zach. I want to shout out all the everyday listeners who are giving me a listen here on a Friday morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you are checking out the show. We're closing things out this week talking about Rui Hachimira, because he dominated once again in the NBA playoffs. It is so fun to watch playoff basketball and be on Twitter and know that the entire sports world is watching this one event. And guess what? They're all talking about Rui. That is what happened on Thursday evening. For anybody who's on social media, for anybody who's watching the game, Rui was the talk of the town. He finished the game with 21 points. Now LA lost the game. They lost 108 to 103 to Denver uh, in Game Two. They're down 0 and 2 in the series. It looks like Denver's going to win this one, which is unfortunate for the Lakers, unfortunate for Rui fans. But it wasn't his fault. That's for Dangshur. Eight from 10 from the field in this one. 21 points. He had 17 points on perfect shooting in the first half. Perfect from the field. Perfect from the three point line. Perfect. From the free throw line, it was Rui's world, and the rest of the players, including two-time MVP Nikolai Jokic, including legitimate GOAT LeBron James, including future Hall of Famer Anthony Davis, all those players were just chess pieces in a game that Rui Hachimura was straight up dominating in that first half. This is his fourth 20-point game this postseason. He had 29 against Memphis in his first playoff game of the year. He had 20 versus Memphis, I believe, in the second or third game of that series. Then he, he quieted down a little bit, didn't play as well against Golden State, but he did have a 21 point 21 point game against them at one point. Uh, and then, of course, he just had that 20-point game here against the Nuggets in game two. For the playoffs, in general, Rui is averaging 12.3 points, 3.2 rebounds. He is shooting just under 61% from the field, and he is shooting 55% from three. The man is an automatic bucket right now. He's also 86% from the free throw line, because why not? Why not add that in? as well he struggled in the golden state series but was really good everywhere else he averaged 14 and a half points and five rebounds against memphis during that series through his first two games against denver he has averaged a cool 19 points a game uh against golden state 7.8 points 2.5 rebounds the warriors were a diff were more of a tough matchup for Rui, so he didn't get as much playing time for for the lakers in those ones anthony davis played really well in that series as well uh so i'm not surprised to see his numbers dip there a little bit but Beyond Rui's offensive contributions and his really high field goal percentage and his elite outside shooting that we have seen from him, he also had one of the biggest defensive assignments, which is not something we expected to be talking about. Rui's defense being the focal point of a strong NBA conversation, being the talk of the league. Not something I had on my bingo card. Not something many of you who are NBA fans, who are Rui fans, who are diehard Gonzaga fans probably had on your bingo cards either. But at the end of game one, A game, mind you, that Nikolai Jokic dominated almost feels like the wrong word. Jokic had 34 points, 21 rebounds, and 14 assists in game one. That is just obscene. Obscene. But in the final... Ten or so possessions of that game, the Lakers put Rui Hachimura on him, let Anthony Davis play more off-ball. Davis was guarding Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is not an outside shooting threat. That allowed Davis to play some significant SAG help defense. Anthony Davis is an absolute wrecking ball as a help side defender. So using Davis in that role, using Rui as the point-of-attack defender on Jokic worked only for a few stre- for a few stretches for uh, the last few possessions of the game. Again, he had 34 points, 21 boards. It's not like anybody really shut him down that much. But this was a huge talking point. The Lakers have solved Nikola Jokic. Rui Hatshimira is the answer. I think we probably need to pump the brakes a little bit on that, and certainly in game two. Jokic struggled in game two, and this is a hilarious thing to say because I'm about to read you his stat line, and his stat line was 23 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists that's another triple double he's just that is how good Nikolai Jokic is this was a bad game for him because he shot nine of 21 from the field part of that was Rui's defense part of that was just him missing some shots uh part of that was other defensive assignments Anthony Davis doing a good job other guys doing a good job part of that was just I mean again nine of 21 is not good necessarily but it's also not awful and for him to finish with nearly 2020 as well as another triple double I mean the guy's just an absolute freak he's one of the best basketball players we've ever seen and I'm glad he's finally taken way too long but he's starting to get more of the respect that he deserves as a superstar in the NBA game but Rui having so many headlines so much attention he said at halftime he was asked about how he was getting so many points and he basically said well they don't have a rim protector Nuggets fans have been using that quote against him since they came back and won the game whatever. Rui wasn't lying. He's like, they, we're attacking the basket because they don't have somebody to stop us from attacking the basket. It's true. It's going to continue to be true for the rest of this series. The Lakers are down 2-0. They got to find a way to win a game. Uh, and very quickly, I think Denver's ultimately going to take this series. Uh, but for, for Rui to be the focal point, when this trade happened in February, when he went from Washington to the Lakers, the hope was basically this. We knew that he wasn't going to take on a bigger role, be a 20-point-per-game guy, be a star player, because they have star players. They have two of the biggest star players in the entire league. But him filling a valuable role and showing up when the team needs him, that was the best-case scenario for what we could hope for Rui. Rui has now established himself as a playoff force, and he's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. Rui is about to get himself paid, folks. He's going to get paid in a major, major way because, yeah, he's got some, some... he doesn't do a lot outside of scoring. He's not a great passer. The defense is still questionable, but he is a sharp, crisp outside shooter. He's a bit streaky, but when he's on, he can score with, his, with just about anybody in this league. He's shown improvement as a defensive player, even if there's still some issues there, especially as a help side guy. I think Rui's about to get himself a very nice contract, and teams who are watching the playoffs right now are like, we could use that guy. Every team could use that guy. My Portland Trailblazers absolutely use a guy like that. We'll see how this shakes out. Obviously, the draft is going to impact a lot of things, but for Rui, I think that he has made himself a whole bunch of money, and hopefully he finds himself, whether it's the Lakers or somewhere else, he finds himself in a situation that is good for him mentally, that is good for him as a basketball player, and can really continue to thrive and showcase the ability that made him you know, a top 10 pick in the NBA draft and one of the most prolific Gonzaga basketball players of all time. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Hope you guys all have some fun stuff coming up. We got some great stuff coming up this next week as well. We'll continue to look at the transfer portal, what that means for Gonzaga. Some new graduate transfers who just entered the portal who might be targets for the Bulldogs. We're also going to have a couple of interviews to close out the week for you. Uh, current Gonzaga basketball player, uh, analyst as well coming your way. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that stuff coming up on the Locked on Zags podcast. If you want to become an everyday listener, just subscribe to the show on YouTube. You can also find us wherever you already get podcasts. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend and go Zags.